How are we doing, guys? So congratulations to all of you. And you might wonder why you made it through 2020. Now, the, the funny thing is I'm actually an introvert, so I actually liked being quarantined at home because it meant you didn't have to talk with people and I could hide. No, but guys, I am super excited to be sharing with you tonight and we are going to be in Psalm 1 tonight. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles and I'm going to read and then we'll pray and then we'll get into our study. Sound good? Sound good? Okay, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. God, we just come before you, and Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your great love for us, Lord. You have done so much for your church. You have done so much for your people. Rather we acknowledge it or not, Lord, you are king. And you are coming again one day. Lord, I pray that, Lord, tonight we would just remember how great you are. That we would understand how to grow in the Christian life. And that your love for us Lord, would just be evident among your people. So we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So blessed is the man. Now, the word blessed is kind of one of those church words that we hear a lot. But what does it actually mean? It means, oh, how happy. So in our first verse, we say, oh, how happy is the man. Then he goes on to explain why this man is happy. And it's interesting to see that the psalmist goes about explaining why this man is happy by first saying what he is not doing. I recently found that sometimes I learn better by understanding what something not is than I do understanding what something is. And maybe you guys can help me understand more. So we start out by getting three knots. This man, he is not walking, he is not standing, he is not sitting. To put it this way, the man of Psalm 1, his life is being slowed down in the verse. Because to go from walking to standing, it's a change of momentum. And when you decide to sit, 
it means you begin to feel at home. So first we have walking. Walking would be an indicator of starting to move towards something. It would be a low obligation to what you are about to do. But nevertheless, starting to go down the path of destruction. Are there things in your life that are tempting you to begin to walk in the counsel of the world? Now, walking in the counsel of the world, what does this look like? Let me point out some of the common counsels of the world and see if you can if they make an impact on your life. Nike has a pretty good one. Just do it. We also have YOLO. You only live once. What about the American dream of owning a home? These are some of the things we hear a lot, but if you think about it, are they not councils? So they're more than just slogans, but they're actually worldly wisdom. Now, the interesting thing about worldly wisdom is most of it is self-centered or focused on the self compared to the wisdom of God. Now, here is some of the wisdom of God that we find in his word. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, here's one out of Hebrew. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. That's what we call the church when we come together. So that's wisdom from God. Now, let's consider this for a moment. Say you had the opportunity to have your dream come true. Let's say you had your dream job right before you, and everybody tells you it's a great idea. Just do it. You only live once. You would have your American dream. Everything would be great. But you fear that if you don't take the job, you are afraid of what man might think of you more than what God might think of you. Now, you believe, though, that, let's say, you believe God is calling you to be a missionary. But you have this great opportunity and God is calling you to share the gospel where it's never been taken before but everyone would say you're crazy not to take this job but you know that if you take the job you realize that there will be trouble because you will be traveling much and you might not be as committed to church as you should be you would be making yourself first in this life if you took the job. But the thing is, you want to make yourself last in this life according to God so that you can be first in the life to come. See, these decisions in following Christ or not are real. And maybe it's not a job for you, but it could be a relationship. There's all kinds of decisions that we need to make and what wisdom are you going to follow? Are you going to follow God's wisdom or the world's wisdom? What counsel you listen to, the counsel to choose is walking out your faith or being successful in this world. That is the two options in front of us today. 
Let's look at standing in the path of sinners as we continue. We go from the ungodly to dealing with sinners. So first, we're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but now we're in the path of sinners. Now, the important thing to note there is the ungodly. There are ungodly people who are actually good people. But now the Bible is saying we're dealing with sinners. See, you are standing in the way where they're going. And the way they're ultimately going is hell. You're just hanging out with the people who are up to no good. And if you hang out with them long enough, you become who you are around. It is a truth that who you spend your time with, that is who you will become. I see it in the church all the time. And for years and years and years, I've been able to watch students and who they hang around. And the interesting thing is, it's true almost all the time. The people you hang out with, those are the people who will influence your life. And the thing is, some of them have stayed around good people and have grown in their faith. But the thing is, most have been around corrupted people and they've, they've been shipwrecked in their faith. See, I often think about people who used to be among us, but they chose to go down the path of destruction. And let me clear this up for us. The thing is, we are all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of of God. The question is, which group of sinners are you going to be around? Are you going to be around a group of sinners that the direction of their life is headed towards hell? Or are you going to spend time with God's people who, yes, they still sin and they're still sinners, but that they're trying to live life in light of the gospel? See, these are two very different groups of people, and I hope you consider who is influencing you today. Is it Christ and his saints, or is it the devil and all the, his people? Now, the final part to consider right now is the seat of the scornful. Now, that we have talked about, and we've stood around sinners who who do not love the Lord, we get to the point in this passage when we actually, if we follow this path, we get comfortable enough to actually sit down and we're the people who have nothing good to say about God or the church or Christ. See, these people in this path they're scorning Christ and they're saying all types of evil about Christ. They're going down this path that leads to death. And it's tragic. Can you imagine a life that has nothing better to do than to curse God in word and in lifestyle? See, a life that encourages all types of sin a life that does not know what light is. It's a deep, dark path the psalmist has taken us down in one verse. 
In one verse, we see the counsel of the world. We see the path of sinners, and we're able to ponder this. We see people who have gone down the path to the pit, and they're hopeless because of their worldly counsel. Their counsel, see, the interesting thing is their counsel is it's worshipped in movies we watch, and it's praised by the media we consume, and it's titled The New Way to Live. Have you ever gotten the opportunity as a believer, from a believer's perspective, to think deeply about people who look like they're having fun, but are really in sin? Have you ever been able to ponder the way, the path of a drug addict or alcoholic? And I feel like those are close to my heart because I know people who are in those lifestyles. It's not a glamorous path as Hollywood would have us dream it is. See, it's brokenness and it's sad. It makes me cry many times for the people I know who have been caught up in destruction because they started to walk in the way of sinners. Do not let, or the only reason the lifestyle of Hollywood looks glamorous is because the people have money. But once that money runs out, it's like, it's no different than the poor person who finds himself in the same place. So the Bible talks about, do not let your heart in these sinners. I had a recent thought lately, and I never really want to envy anybody again. Because most of the time when I envy people, maybe they have a better house situation than I do, or a better car, or better looks than I do. Like, God sometimes allowed me to pull back the curtain and what I find is that they're actually really broken and their lives are a mess. So the thing is, I don't want to envy people anymore because the thing you could be envying of that person could be their only source of comfort and the rest of their life is broken. So as a church, let us not envy the sinner or the brokenness. But let me hold out the gospel hope for the drug addict or the alcoholic or the student dealing with depression or the person that feels hopeless because 2020 has dashed their dreams. See, the thing is, Christ came to save, and it's a timeless truth. It, and the truth is to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. See, Jesus Christ came and he lived a perfect life. He healed the lame and gave sight to the blind. And this is interesting. He fed anyone who came to him, even if they chose not to follow after him. He came as king, but he lived as a lowly servant. He didn't come to serve, but to, but to serve, or to be served but he came to serve others. He died on the cross for a sinful world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And he's calling the broken. He's calling the ungodly. He's calling the sinner. Because God so loved that he gave. He's a giving God. He's a loving God. And I want to ask you tonight, do you know him? Do you know Christ tonight? And the thing is, after all of this stuff, but yet, Christ today is being spoken of bad by many people. Many people scorn his name and talk bad about him. Still, people say all kinds of evil of Christ. And if you believe him, listen here. The word, see, the thing is, as Christians, if we believe in Christ, the world will actually hate us. Because it says in the Gospel of John, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The thing is, as Christians... I see it all the time. We get upset when the world shows any hatred towards us. But even though our Savior has talked a lot about it, they will hate you if you love Christ. Let's expect that the world sometimes will hate us because we love Christ so much. But the thing is, here is what we are to do in response to that hatred. But this is Christ saying in Matthew, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. See, the thing is, blessed is the man or woman who does not get easily offended when the world hates you. But let's go on to verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What is the law of the Lord? In simple terms, it's the Bible. Do we delight in what God has said? Perhaps we do delight, but if we're honest with ourselves, we come to some scriptures, and at first sight, we actually groan when we see them, because we're told to delight in the Lord, but then we're not allowed to do what we desire to do, and sometimes we desire to do sin. Now, the thing is, let me tell you that sometimes we look at this in the wrong light. Delighting is in the Lord is not just about looking at the law part of it, but it's also realizing that the law is pointing to the fact we can't be good enough to enter the kingdom of God, that we actually need someone to take our place in the judgment so we can live, that the law is actually pointing to the one who has fulfilled the law, and that person is Jesus. Then we get to the meditative part. I think we hear a lot about the law, and we say, I know. 
we hear a lot about the commandments and you're like, I know. But when we actually take time to think about the law and delight in it, for example, let's take gossip and let's get to the heart of why the Lord doesn't want us talking bad about others or gossiping about people. Because instead of saying okay and moving on, what if we said, I'm going to take time and think about what happens when I talk bad about the other person? Why might God be telling me not to gossip today? How when I talk bad about somebody, it actually tears them down. It tears them down for the people who hear me talk bad about that person. It makes me feel good for a moment, but I feel in my heart later, I feel bad. It makes, if we meditate on these things, maybe why the Lord doesn't want us to gossip, we find the heart behind it and that God is good. And the thing is, the commandments might not be as bad or as cold as they first appear. Now, what happens when you delight in the law of God? What happens when you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly? The thing is, as a Christian, you begin to grow. See, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. See, the thing is, I think we need more trees in our churches today. Now, some of you might be saying, Ronald, that's a little crazy. Why would you want trees in our churches today? That sounds a little weird. See, I think we need trees. Here's why. Because if you think of a tall oak tree, and I think we have a photo of it. Yeah. It's big and strong. And the thing is, you're going to have a hard time moving that. When the winds and storms of this life come, you're going to be a tree if you meditate on the law of God and you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. This means that you will be a very stable person because you won't easily be moved. But if you are not a tree, then what are you? And I'm going to uh, coin the term cattail Christian, and I think we have some examples of one. So let me ask you this today. Do you want to be a tree or do you want to be a cattail Christian? And what I mean by this, and here's the photo. See, the thing is, if you're a cattail Christian and you get offended, the wind is going to come and you're going to be blowing one way. And the thing is, your friend yells yellow and you do something stupid that you regret. You're going to be blowing the other way. But then you might come to church and you might stand up and then fall back down again. See, you're never going to have a stable life if you don't take what the Bible says seriously. But the best way to live is to be a tree for Christ. And the best way to be a tree is to take heed of what the Word of God says. 
And as the Lord works in your life, planted in him, you will begin to produce fruit in the Christian walk, in the Christian life. Now, what is this fruit? Galatians tells us what the fruit is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, or kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And get this, against such there is no law. In season, remember that even though you will grow as a Christian, when you're planted by water, it still takes time because fruit takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Be careful of thinking that just because you put yourself in a good position to grow, that the growth will happen right away. It takes years as a Christian to grow. So I say to you, don't give up today. And this is where many people, unfortunately, walk away from the faith because they do not have the patience to grow. You need to make a commitment to Christ for a lifetime and not just a few years. I've been going through the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, which is the great classic Christian book. And at the beginning of the journey of the book, Christian, the main character's name, is on this pilgrimage. And he is joined by this other character, and this character's name is Pliable. And at first, Pliable is excited to be looking into the Christian journey. But very shortly into the journey, they get to the swamp, which is defined as a situation characterized by lack of progress or activity. And it's at this point of the story that this person named Pliable is very discouraged. And he says, if this is what the beginning of the journey then looks like, what else lies behind me? I'm turning back. How true is it of so many Christians, especially after high school, who walk away from the Lord? They come forward to get saved, say their confession of faith, and two or three years pass, then they're right back to living life like nothing ever happened. Let me encourage you today, keep living for the Lord and the fruit will come. You will see him work in your life. The Lord will reward all those who keep the faith. The tree that is planted by rivers of water, the leaf doesn't wither away. Whatever he does shall prosper. I wonder how much blessing is truly in the Christian life for those who don't give up so easily. See, the ungodly are not so. Consider this for a moment. The ungodly are blessed and the, or <laughs> the godly are blessed, but the ungodly are not. I need to make an appeal to you today as I believe this is an urgent message because 
we will all make a decision to live for Christ or to reject him. And there's two choices. You either choose to be a Christian, you choose to walk the straight and narrow path, or you will choose to be the ungodly. Do not be fooled into thinking the middle ground because I believe that the middle ground always goes to the devil. You will either choose to believe in Christ or you will choose to live as the world lives. Because the Bible says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That's pretty good. Have we not cast out demons in your name? That's incredible. And done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Look at what Christ says to those who appear religious. I never knew you. If you take one thing away from tonight, take that phrase and think about it. Christ says to those who are religious, I never knew you. But the thing is, to those who have a relationship with God in the gospel, through the gospel, will we'll get to enter his kingdom. The message of the gospel is an urgent one because I believe Christ is coming soon. I don't know if he will come early in my lifetime, but I believe he will come very soon. And the one question that will be asked of each one of us on judgment day is, what did we do with Christ? And that's the only question we need to answer. The ungodly are like chaff driven away by the wind. See, the thing is, the wind, go outside on a windy day, is enough to blow away the ungodly. See, you will not stand in judgment at the judgment seat of Christ if you choose to live like the ungodly. You will not be in the congregation of the righteous in heaven if you live how the world does. The only way you're going to stand is if you confess your sins and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. As I'm writing this message, I realize this is a gospel message. And there are two groups of people I want to address tonight, and then we'll be done. The first group is for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus tonight. And I plead with you, will you patiently wait by rivers of water as you see your life grow in Christ tonight? Will you be an oak tree Christian by the rivers of water? Deciding to follow Christ young is always an advantage. It gets harder and harder to decide to live for Christ when you get older because your way of living will harden and you will be less able to give up your sin. Tonight, I'm asking you to continue to walk by faith 
and fight the good fight before the Lord. I'm asking you to repent of your sin and to be forgiven afresh tonight. You might be distant from Christ tonight, but this could be the moment you decide to live for him for all of eternity. But I believe the message of the gospel is more urgent now than it was a year ago because of COVID, because of the earthquakes. These are all signs of Christ coming back. And even what happened at the Capitol building today, we need Christ more than ever. These are all signs of Christ's return. It will not be easy to follow him. Living the Christian life is not always easy. But there is great reward because he is good. And the reward may never be in this life. It may only be in the life to come. But let me tell you, if you follow him, there will be great reward. And the second is super important. The second group I want to address tonight. I believe that in a crowd this size, that there may be one or two who don't know Christ. You need to confess him as your Lord and Savior, Lord of your life, and say, Lord, forgive me for all of my sins and ask him to come into my heart and he'll be faithful to do it. You must call upon his name and his name alone. You can't have any other gods before him. He must be the one true God in your life. See, sin is simply missing the mark. And the mark to have a relationship with God is perfection. Now that might seem like a steep, steep price to pay to have a relationship with God. But the thing is, no unclean thing can be in his presence. So that's why you need the blood of Jesus to cover you so that you can enter the kingdom of God. And the way Christians measure if we're good enough or not is the Ten Commandments. Friend, can I tell you, we fall short of the glory of God. In reality, for me, in my life, I cannot go ten minutes without sinning because my heart is so wicked. The Lord is saying to you tonight, come, but he will not force you to come. You must decide tonight. See, the thing is, why must you decide tonight to follow Christ? Because the thing is, indecision, indecision makes the right decision harder. Indecision is not this indecision is deciding not to time always decides against you deciding for christ that's why the gospel is an urgent message the gospel is the fact that jesus christ came on it and down to earth to die on a cross to be a servant to give his life a ransom so you may be saved do you want to be a blessed man or woman tonight do you want to have your sins forgiven and know that when you leave here tonight and COVID is out there and it has taken many lives, do you want to know that your name is written in heaven? See, there's a lonely arena in the depths of all of our hearts where the greatest battle of life must be fought alone. See, the thing is your parents can't make it for you. Your church can't make it for you. Your boyfriend, your girl can't, can't make the decision for you to follow Christ. Only you 
can decide to follow Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight. So the thing is, can I have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes? And I want to ask, is there anybody in this room who would like to receive Christ tonight? It's an urgent message. It's the hope of the believer. And time is short. So I'll give you a few seconds. And I want to ask you to raise your hand if you would like to accept Christ tonight. So I also want to pray for the believer in here tonight. Lord, we just come before you and Lord, I thank you that the power of the gospel is that you love us so much that you died for us. And for the believers in this room tonight, I just pray that we would follow you, that we wouldn't leave the faith that we would decide to follow you tonight. Lord, that after high school ends, that we would still be committed to you, that we would still walk with you. Lord, and then I'm also praying if there is any unbelievers, that, Lord, they would surrender their heart to you that they would be burdened to know you. Lord, I pray for the prodigal in here tonight, the person who is walking in the world but wants to follow God. Lord, I pray that you would touch their heart tonight. Lord, so go before us. I thank you for your great love. I thank you for all you do for us. Lord, teach us how to walk in a way that pleases you and cause growth to happen in this church, in this youth group. So Lord, we come before you in Jesus' name, amen.